Welcome to The Room, where we talk about the hard parts of leadership that every great leader goes through, but no one wants to talk about. I'm Jenny Dufresne, host of The Room podcast and CEO of Leaders Transform, a business growth training firm. I am a global leader, former United States Marine, international best-selling author, community, and business leader. The Room is your safe space. We'll talk about the things that are difficult for leaders, the tough stuff that leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable about, but we really need to. So come on in, close the door, join me in the room. I know leaders and I know leadership. Awesome. Well, welcome everyone to the room. I'm really, really excited. Um, As I shared in episode 51, uh, we're embarking on a new adventure and a new endeavor. So our guest today is Danielle Meadows Stinnett. She's a CEO and creative director of the Octane Design Studios, which is headquartered in Lexington, Kentucky, I believe. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, she has a 13-year, the company is a 13-year branding and marketing and identity firm. Um, But Danielle's not just a CEO. She's a mama. She's a wife. She's a lover of rustic cuisine, music, creative things. So I'm really excited, Danielle, to welcome you. Uh, to to the room um, where leaders talk and we talk about the things that we often don't want to share out loud. So I'm really excited to have you here today. Um, so just as we get started, creativity. Tell me a tell me a bit about how creativity really inspires or drives you as a person, and maybe also in your role of of leader. As a person, it's almost like a carbon thumbprint of my life. I feel like every faucet of my life, whether my childhood, my adulthood, my parenthood, my motherhood, my womanhood has some element of creativity to it. So um, whether it's me having game night with my kids or it's me personally cosplaying for encouragement and inner inspiring myself, um, there's just so many different levels to creativity and what that kid could look like. But uh, I think it really kind of wraps around also a level of story and how I would like to have stories told or how I would like to have my own story told. And I think that kind of helps shape the embodiment of my actions and what I choose to do with my own creativity. I think one of the things I love about about just exploring your your story and your uh, listening to your podcast, you have a podcast as well, which we'll talk about in a few, uh, is that... I, I was thinking about how creativity inspires leaders or how it could be very beneficial. My experience has been sometimes as leaders, we we kind of go into that leadership container and strip out all things creative. So that could be in communication with our teams or our clients or you know, just how we show up in the world and the community. So how did you ever, like it sounds like, Creativity is obviously very integrated, but did you ever struggle with how do I show up as my creative self, which is all of me in this environment as a leader and especially as a woman, a woman of color, like how have you ever had to kind of navigate that? And if so, what was your thinking process to to do that? Absolutely. Um, Deep down, I really feel like in the beginning, that was such a struggle because we are told from from womb that we are set in certain type of infrastructures. We are told that, you know, we're supposed to look a certain way. We're supposed to carry ourselves a certain way. We're supposed to dress a certain way and say certain things. And I feel like some of those uh, boundaries, as we grow older, we learn that they are void, right? We we become more aware (laughs) that those don't really um, apply to, to us unless we choose them to be. 
And I think what has happened over time for myself and as far as being a creative in the workplace, it's understanding what my boundaries are or less of them are. Um, It's embracing a lot of myself and what comes along with the process of getting the idea out. Um, There's a trust there. There's kind of an unspoken trust. I feel that as leaders in the creative industry and in the creative um, sections of our workspaces, People rely on us, right, for those ideas. People rely on us for whatever the next thing is. And I take that very seriously. That responsibility is is kind of endowed, right, to us as creatives. And I think it's really important as we talk about more leadership that we understand the flux of how that works. Um, And that differs from person to person. But creativity itself just really kind of is an involved, never-ending, fluid thing. And that could look something very concrete as we do in the workplace, especially in the corporate sectors, or it could be very flowing and very um, evergreen in some areas. And I think a lot of people sometimes can kind of interchangeably go about that well. I feel like the longer you're in this industry, the more easy it becomes to go back and forth. So I gave a very short um, uh, introduction uh, to your work, but if can you elaborate on that? Because I think it flows also perfectly with what you were just sharing, and then I'll kind of riff off of that a little bit. Sure. So um, primarily Octane Design Studios literally focuses on uh, kind of five areas primarily, but it all begins with a level of strategy, the way that we choose to play, the way that we choose to show up, the way that we choose to um, carry out whatever duties and actions that need to help another business thrive, survive, or level up. So in a lot of areas, I choose to use my creativity in, in the kind of base field of strategy, whether it's Um, procuring thoughts or ideas, but also colors, imagery, sounds, all the environmental things that help build an experience. And so when I think about creativity, I'm also thinking about not only what's happening in this current moment, but also what's going to happen for them in the next five years, what's going to happen for them in the next 10 years. Um, What about the also generational wealth that we're building for these businesses and these assets? So we're thinking about this level of play and how they can evolve their own play on their own terms. I love that. So it so I, what again it reminds me of the the importance of creativity in your visioning, right? So you and your team, the importance mm-hmm. of creativity and visioning, and it sounds like also the importance of creativity as for you as a fire starter. That was sort of the the word I was thinking of as I was reading through some of the information about you and your 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 company and the work that you've done with a number of different organizations i think you said over 100 organizations that you've worked with and really helped have helped um them cast their own vision which can impact community but what you were just sharing is that it, the 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 power of creativity as a leader not only casts a vision for the brands you're working with or the brands that you're helping to shape and form. But it also sounds like it, it going back to sort of this authentic, this idea of authenticity, it also ignites something in your team. So can you talk about like, because I think everyone comes, so leaders, leaders are, you know, trying to figure out again, no matter where we lead, we have to figure out how do we show up? What is acceptable? And I think creatives in general might have to traverse that landscape even more because creatives have really tapped into you know that that creative fire um but how how when you 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 share i think you have i believe eight women in on your team is that correct over five different countries 
That's and right. so how love to hear the countries, but and how do you as the leader help open up those creative, that creative genius in your team? Right? How does what's what's okay. your thinking about that? How do you approach it? Um, what do you find that you have to do to help people be there, you know, set their own creative fire loose, not only for Octane, but also for the clients that you serve? Absolutely. That's a great question. So again, our team is a team of eight across five countries. Um, I think what's really interesting about the girls, and I refer to them as the girls because that's what we are. Um, I think it's really interesting the dynamic of how I was able to kind of add each one individually to build upon the other. So I, I didn't intend for that to happen the way that it did, but it just kind of things that I looked at intentionally with each individual. For instance, there has to be some level of gaming. Uh, we have to have that on some level um, because we are a gamified company. So because we are gamified, I actually, you know, ask the girls, what's your favorite game? You know, what do you like to play? Are you a desktop? Are you an Xbox? Are you, a, you know, computer? What do you do? <laughs> so uh, because we have that kind of commonality of gaming, um, we're able to actually kind of have this extra bond. I think that helps us navigate through spaces creatively. So I kind of go in a direction of, okay, if we have an upcoming project, hey, I know for sure I'm going to need you for XYZ. Um, because I need you for XYZ, I know that I'm also going to bring in, you know, another another designer or another uh, person amongst Octane because I know that you two work really well together in XYZ. So it's just kind of understanding how they, they function, how they play, which goes a little bit deeper than just the everyday employee or the everyday mm -hmm. person that shows up from nine to five. So there is a level of intentionality that I intentionally kind of go after. Um, but initially as a team, we holistically kind of work together, kind of like kind of like you would if you were like playing a, a video game, if you will. Every player has its own unique assets. You just kind of bring it all together and go through the realm together. And each team, as it rotates around between whatever foe or whatever obstacle it may be, like everyone has their turn at putting forth their energy to get to the next thing. So, yeah. So curious, what what countries are your are your um, your folks located in? Sure, we have Kenya, Argentina, Italy. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to think where Vidi's from. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I should probably know. Uh, I know this on top of my head. Uh, we have I know America, obviously, um, and one more. I think where Vidi Vidi is. She's in India somewhere, but I I need to know where. I should know. Sorry. Right. Well, so so you have literally almost around the globe. <laughs> yes. Right. And, and the globe. There's only like one small hairline fraction of time that everyone can actually meet right. all together. Um, right. So everyone's kind of dispersed, but when we get together, it's just so comical. We intentionally have community moments outside of the workspace where we can kind of talk to each other, hang out and kind of let our hair down, even though a lot of times um, we're focused heavily on the work and the work itself. Um, we intentionally create those community moments like, you know, girls gaming night where we can kind of hang out online and have a little bit of uh, deeper level construct, right? Construct on the work is a little bit different than construct for fun and for play. So right. we do have those moments in our community where we can just kind of bond. So your your so your team members are coming from a, a couple are coming from countries where I'm going to make I'm going to go out on a limb here where women are not necessarily encouraged to have this level of mm, creativity, mm -hmm. um, 
uh, I don't want to say autonomy, but uh, that's not the right word, but that, 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 that level of, I don't want to say freedom either, because I don't think women are truly really free anywhere. Um, truly. Right. Maybe but liberty? that there are, there are, there are, there are, there, there are constraints, right? There are gender based constraints. Yes. And so in this realm of, as a woman, CEO, woman leader, woman of color, how did you build those bridges or connections to, to, I don't want to say dismantle necessarily, cause you can't, like, that's a lot to take on, but how did you, how did you help your, your team member from Kenya or from India kind of be able to come fully, more fully present mm-hmm. um, to do the work that you all have to do, considering that their geographic locations may have severe constraints around what they're able to do or their levels of comfort. How did you navigate that as in your role as leader? Um, a lot of it was personal one-on-one conversation. So, I mean, that's that's a big one, right? Building connection. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that was really a big, huge factor in a lot of it. And then once they got comfortable, I feel like once we started creating that, a little bit of a deeper relationship with each other in regards to the workspace, the culture, I think it made it so much easier. And then I started asking greater things of them, right? Like not just the work itself, but we also, you know, teach. And on top of that teaching, some of them had never taught a class before. Now, mm-hmm. how was I able to like, and in, in, in encourage and empower and inspire these women to go out on a limb with, with me and, you know, teach a course that now they've done for several years and they feel so very confident they teach more courses. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was trust. There's a trust factor. Um, I think a lot of my my staff, I'd like to think that many of them trust me not only on a collegiate level where we work together, but trust me on a personal level that I can help guide them through some experiences that they already have wanted for themselves, but not yet had maybe the uh, encouragement or empowerment to do so otherwise. And I think that's really saying, uh, it says a lot, right? When you're so inspired yeah. by by your environment that you want to produce more, right? You want to do yeah, more. Absolutely. And so that's kind of what I've been able to do with Octane in a virtual way is kind of inspire the community to to do more, to want to to want to do more. And that can be very contagious and that can create some really cool so, and creative results. I think it's really so what's what's powerful to me is a couple of things you mentioned. And I think this is an area that as women and as women in leadership roles, there's always this tension. So how does trust, how do we build trust, right? We we may go out building trust in a way that is very different than our male, male counterparts, male leaders. So for example, what I what I what I hear you saying, or I'm I'm you know looking behind this, is that your your I think the words vulnerability and authenticity are um extremely overused. Mm. Right to the point where I don't know that they really have a lot of meaning anymore. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, because when you have to announce that you're being vulnerable, you're not. But anyway, that's a whole. I digress. Oh yeah. So, so what I what it sounds like though is that as a leader, you you had you have some values at least that are operating. But the other thing is, it sounds like you had to not only have trust in yourself, but you also had to put your heart a bit on the line. Would you, would you kind of explore what's, because part of what I'm very interested in is how, what's the, what's the thinking that goes on behind the scenes? You know, we show up and we look magnificent and everything is flawless and we have great reviews, 
but there's stuff that goes on in our heads, in our souls, in our hearts that we're, we're, you know, intentions. So what was that for you when you were like, I'm going to put my heart out here and build these connections? Like what, 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 what did you have to process through for yourself, for yourself to be able to, to get to that place? There was a level of acknowledgement for me when I first started to really grow my team. And it was really the belief of if the pe- my, my ancestors could do this before mm. me with less, way less, way then less. what's stopping me when I have too much? And mm. that's really what the pivotal point was for me was I know that I could help build bridges, close gaps. By reaching out further, not just further in Kentucky, not just further in in America, but further in the world. And I know for a lot of creatives, especially in America, sometimes we would just want to stay in and it's easier to work from within and build from within. But I truly believe like the intention of my company, the intention of, of women is to not stay within, is to go out. So I really took that heart and started uh, thinking about ways that I could help build that a little bit further by reaching out um, to, to hiring other women outside of my stomping ground. So that's really where my thought process was in these places when I felt like, what am I doing? This is really big. Like, right. <laughs> you real, do you realize the scope of what you're doing? And I keep, and the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, my great grandmother. The first thing that comes to mind are my, you know, gosh, Harriet Tubman. The first thing mm-hmm. that comes to mind is these amazing brown, black women that were able to do impossible things with less, way less than what I had. So if they're capable of doing that, what's stopping me? So um, that's really my mindset when I was walking into these spaces of growth. I think it's really, and I appreciate you um, um, tapping into something that I think we ignore in leadership roles, uh, and really in this country, I think largely out, we largely ignore these kinds of conversations, or we distance ourselves from them. And that is, we're all we're all surrounded and standing with and with memory and support of ancestors. And I think that it is it is something that um, is a uh, is an important um, an important place to access, especially. I mean, we know leadership right now in general, things in our in the, the United States, really around the world, is very contentious. A lot of polarization, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of, well, a lot of polarization. And, you know, to remember something like that, I come from people who were able to build in spite of having literally nothing, or I came from people who you know, carried forth um, vision or carried forth memory so that I can sit here now and do the things that I do. So I think that's, I appreciate you bringing that forward. Um, One of the things that you had shared uh, was that with having a global team, um, you were sharing, and I'd love for you to tell the story, uh, where you as a leader had to make a kind of snapped, snap decision um, with regard, I think that was a client meeting. I don't know, but could you just share the story and 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 the what you the decision that you ended up making? Absolutely. So um, we were hired. At, we were technically a diversity hire, if you will, um, a contract diversity hire for a particular project around uh, brand strategy and design. And I brought on the team to conduct that 
um, project. And we kind of had earlier conversations um, before we contracted with them directly about, you know, our our kind of standards, our expectations um, going into the project and how, um, you know, how exciting it was for us to be able to collaborate with the business that's intentionally seeking us to kind of shake things up, if you will, or change it up a right, little bit more. Right. And um, I took that as a challenge, as a personal challenge, more so than just a a business one. So when I brought on the team, there was um, several meetings that, you know, kind of had um, um, some really good, you know, repertoire. We were building a strong relationship. And then I noticed that uh, in this particular meeting, um, one of my assistants uh, was actually talking specifically um, about a deliverable. And for I don't know if it was just the technology itself that was kind of going crazy or just the the conversation it's it overall it just kind of had a little bit of a sour tone from the from the moment we started but it kind of carried on throughout the conversation unfortunately and almost near the middle of the meeting I mean well I guess it would be the end at this point but um in the meeting as my assistant was going over some of the project milestones um, there was like some sort of like murmur. You couldn't hear exactly what it was. And I actually thought it was just a technology, but apparently the client didn't think it was a technology issue. And the response was, why? I don't understand. Don't you speak English? Something wow. around those lines was kind of the paraphrased moment. And I immediately froze, obviously, as a good leader, I think right. sometimes right. instinctually does. <laughs> what I do now. Right. Exactly. So I, I literally paused. And when I paused, I literally just hung up the call, like the entire video call, everyone ended the call. <laughs> wow. I actually made sure one, first that my assistant was taken care of. I asked specifically, hey, are you okay? Like that was not okay for me. I just want to make sure you're okay. Um, that was my instinctual response. And then from there, I it went to a black and white conversation in email to make sure that we understood like why why we ended the call, why we felt like that needed to happen, and then two, what are the next steps moving forward from this point? So once that happened, and I will say, like, it was a lot more heated than what I'm, <laughs> than how I'm regurgitating <laughs> it now. We were just so disappointed because it sounded so promising coming up to this point. Mind you, there were some telltale signs, there were some satire leading up to this a little bit, and I feel like that was some good old Sometimes I won't say locker room talk, but that's kind of, mm-hmm. I felt like that's the background of some of that. Um, but deep down, I had to do what I thought was best, which was protect my team um, and then think about protecting the business, <laughs> to be really honest. So those are different. So both of those positions can be very difficult for people, right? I mean, so, you know, you talk about, you know, we're we're in the waning age of people focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, as we can, and I say that from the standpoint of, you know, there was a, you know, during the pandemic um, and the murder of George Floyd and others, like there was a, you know, a huge focus, a national global focus. Yes. And then, you know, there were, there were things put in place and then, you know, now we're on, like, we're in the waning age of it, right? For mm-hmm. this particular historical period. Yes. Um, and so... So I think what I, what I've seen is that there's the lip service that corporations or companies will pay to it on either side. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, there's the, the leader angst. And so the leader angst is, I just saw something happen as like you just said, Danielle, like this was terrible, Mm -hmm. but I'm frozen 
because I have all these other conversations going on in my head of, you know, what should I do? Is that, is it wrong for me to have this reaction? And, you know, what's the damage that I'm going to like, what, so how, so what would you say to someone, a leader who is, has one of these moments and they're frozen? And, you know, there's, there's the sidebar comments that people make. There's the insinuation or the, I mean, we have so much, unfortunately, but how would you, what, if you were sitting next to someone who was struggling with maybe the same thing, not knowing what to do, what would you, what would you say to that person that they're, that, that, that how they should respond or react, um, to, to something like that? Um, honestly, my response would be to ask them, who are they? Like, who are you? Mm. Are you that person that lets that slide? Are you the person that is empathetic toward your client? Are you the person that's empathetic toward um, the people that are are having those things said against them or to them? Mm-hmm. Um, who are you? And I think that's the question that I really had to ask myself. Am I the person that's going to fr- frantically go and pick back up the phone and be like, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Here, right. We can right. go back. Um, the money because the money was great, but at the same right. time, I felt like my there was something else that was being attacked there, and there's no dollar sign um for that type of discrepancy. So I just felt like for me, I had to think about you know who am I, who are my values, what are my values, what do I hold dearest, and then act upon that. Um, and then that was kind of also the um, continuing conversation after this event had happened. So uh, very quickly, we got back on a uh, email kind of chain basis. We broke down again, the issues that we had with the comment that was said. We asked them, even, we even went one step further and said, hey, do you know about these resources that you possibly wow. could use so yeah. that you could you know, not walk into situations like that again? Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, they were more um, discerning. They were more comfortable with continuing the conversation. Um, we unfortunately did not completely 110% complete the project. We just kind of kind of at a stale um, because of the fact that um, they didn't want to continue to do that educa- you know, education on, on education. themselves. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I think this is the, one of the lessons is, is that as leaders, we have to be cre- courageous. Courageous, sorry. And we have to also understand what do we stand for? And to your point, who are we? Mm-hmm. And I think those are three really sticky <laughs> and difficult because, yes. you know, I mean, as we can see from the what's going on in our in our political environments and other environments that, that these are really, really challenging um, things to for people to navigate. Um, so we so one of the things that I do know about you is that you're you're a mom. Um, and, um, I think it's, you have the benefit of all boys. Is that right? Yeah. I'm a boy mom. Okay. Boy moms. I'm a boy mom (laughs) as well. Um, so I, I, I get, I get schooled often by my 13 year old. We have a 13 year old and a 24 year old. So how, like, as we look at children and as you look and think about your, your family, what is a leadership lesson or lessons that you've learned from your children? Um, it's actually something that I tell the people all the time, which is life is more like Tetris and less like Mario. <laughs> <laughs> tell- okay. So for those people who uh, might be younger, because um, yes. I remember Tetris um, <laughs> and I remember Mario too, uh, on those big, but it was a big, those big, whatever you call them. Um, so 
What does that mean? Sure. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, the difference between the two is that Mario flees through his level to get to the save the princess at the end. And he kind of goes like nonstop. He doesn't really take a lot of detours. He just flies through as quick as he can to get to the next level. And in Tetris, it's really more about revolving and rotating the right blocks to build on so that you have a firm nice. foundation to win the game. And nice. so it's really important to remind my kids that it's not about whizzing through life. It's about how you strategically put things together in your life so that you can be fruitful. I love it. I love it. That is a that is a that is a great actually analogy. It's fantastic. Because I think to the point, most of us try to race through, even leaders try mm-hmm. to race through the difficult situations, the things that are make us uncomfortable and try to race through and get to the get to the next side. So as we are getting close to wrapping up here, I'm curious with being a mom, being a creative first, because that 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 energy that flows. Being a creative, being a business owner, uh, I think you're a third generation business owner, leader, entrepreneur, yes. uh, being a mom, being a leader of a team, being a community member, building and, and being part of a community. What? How do you keep your equilibrium? Because any one of those things for, for a couple, couple of folks who are listening might be like, holy bananas, like, how do I get through this? But <laughs> how do you how do you keep your equilibrium? And as a woman, how do you stave off the voices that say you're not doing enough or you should be doing more or or those that sort of that ilk how do you how do you how do you keep your equilibrium in all of this um there's just a huge level of humility that comes with um just my story you know when i started all of this i was a single mom of of uh pregnant with a toddler in a 500 square foot apartment i started from very humble beginnings And so when I always come and rub up against challenges in my current life, I always think about those moments when I had little to none and there was still a way. Um, And so I really rely on a lot of those personal stories. Um, Also knowing the personal stories, again, of my family being a third generation entrepreneur, I'm able to see that level of representation where we've, I've seen literally them work their nine to fives and then work their passion jobs thereafter with a smile on their face. Um, So it's, it's just really unique to have that type of um, experience and background, but also in terms of, you know, raising kids, it's always like everybody has their own personality. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what's been able to help me be a better woman overall is taking all those experiences and realizing that every person is different, the dynamic, the makeup, the things that inspire, the things that encourage, the things that damn, the things that, you know, discourage them. Um, everyone's different. And to, kind of not put everyone in a box or label everything is actually a gift um, to be able to embrace the individuality of different things. And I think that encourages my creativity um, when I'm crafting or uh, nerding out over a video game um, or um, just being on a walk with the family. Awesome. I love that. And I think one of the one of my takeaways from our conversation is the need and the, and the, the necessity to have creative outlets all kinds of different things that, you know, stimulate your thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the other things I think is remembering where you come from or where you've come from. So who you've come from, mm-hmm. right? And then where you've come from. So, you know, you talk about a 500 square foot, um, you know, apartment and launching a business, you know, and 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 literally defying probably all odds at that point, right? Pregnant and, yes. and with a thought like, 
everyone would be like, why would you do, why would you take that opportunity to, <laughs> to, to launch into a business? Right. Right. But I think it's, it's those stories can re-anchor us, particularly when it's, you know, when it's really kind of crazy um, or mm-hmm. there's a lot of disruption in the world. So as we move to close, I'd love to hear, do you have any favorite clients or projects you're looking to engage now that folks who are listening um, will have all of your contact information in our show notes uh, so that people will have that? But is there any any particular global local projects that you're interested in um, that are your favorite types of projects to do that you'd like to share here? Um, Absolutely. We love nonprofits. We love furthering the mission of people that have um, a story and a passion um, for bringing their whatever that is to life. And uh, that's a huge, big uh, avalanche, if you will, of Octane, a big pillar uh, of Octane is being able to tell stories well, um, whether that's the thriving entrepreneur that has a great idea but hasn't been able to get it off the ground to um, more bigger established companies that have a really great story but are just not able to strategically tell it well enough. And that's the things that we get behind the most. 60% of our clientele are women, our BIPOC-owned businesses. Oh, I love it. That is a huge asset to who we are. Um, So we really believe uh, that building our generation, building this generation of of wealth and technology, wealth and strategic planning is essential to where technology and all the other bells and whistles can take us. Fantastic. Danielle, thank you so much. It's been absolutely a pleasure having you and learning and um, taking some nuggets away. And I hope everyone who is listening uh, take the opportunity to explore Danielle's website. It's really awesome. She has some great projects. Her company has some great projects. But also if you're a nonprofit that is either in Kentucky or outside of Kentucky and you want to be able to tap into the genius and the creative fire that Octane uh, Octane has, please, please, please reach out. Um, it's a great It's a great way to support a business, but also to be supported by a business that really understands the mission Um, values and telling a great story. So thank you so much, Danielle. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey, it's Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of The Room, a safe place where leaders come together to talk about the things that we don't often share out loud. If you enjoyed your time in The Room, please like or subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. And if you want to learn more about our important work with leaders, head over to the website, leaderstransform.com continue to be connected to our community. Thank you again for listening and make sure you invite someone to next week's episode of The Room.